Have you ever joined a club or been curious about one? What with all its insider rules, rituals, and secrets? What happens behind the curtains separating in and out? Are they taking attendance? Playing card games? Wearing goat masks and discussing the grand overthrow of mainstream society? Who are these people and what do they come together to create? Welcome to Strange and Unexplained with me, Daisy Egan. I'm a writer and an actor who cannot imagine voluntarily paying money to sit around with other people just to, like, discourse about current events or whatever. But apparently plenty of people have done just that. Paid dues to enter super secret organizations just to chit-chat or to overthrow the whole world. Whatever. Potato, potato. One thing I've learned about human beings since starting this podcast is that we really hate secrets. Another thing I've learned is that we also love secrets. We really don't like feeling like they are keeping things from us, but if we think they are, we love trying to figure out what it is. And most of the time, the things we come up with are pretty wild. Anytime someone in an official position says something like, we can't release that information at this time, bam, conspiracy theory. From vast populations of secret underground alien lizard people who eat children to Manchurian candidate-style government mind control programs, our ability to fill in the blanks outlandishly is second to none. On September 11th, 1826, in upstate New York, near Niagara Falls, under the cover of night, witnesses said they saw a group of men hurrying another man from the local jailhouse to a waiting carriage. The man cried out, murder, just as the carriage sped away. The man was Mr. James Morgan, a man of not much consequence until his abduction from the local jail would not only cement his own place in history, but would also change the trajectory of this country. Morgan was mostly a failed businessman and an alcoholic who had moved his wife and children around New York State chasing ventures that never panned out. Rumors quickly began to fly about who took Mr. Morgan and what happened to him. And as rumors are wont to do, they grew with each telling. It wasn't long before the story was that Morgan had had his throat slit from ear to ear and his tongue cut out in a Masonic ceremony. But what would the Masons want with some inconsequential guy with nothing but a string of failed business ventures to his name? Well, it turns out that the Masons had become a target of Morgan's ire. At some point in the months before his abduction, Morgan had met David C. Miller, publisher of The Republican Advocate, a newspaper that was frequently critical of New York Governor DeWitt Clinton, who was not only a member of the Masons, but had been Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of New York, making him the highest-ranking Mason in the country. Now, if you're like me, which is to say... (laughs) awesome, but also relatively ignorant of the history of the Masons and Freemasons, you might be wondering why anyone would have a gripe with an organization of Masons. Aren't Masons just, like, bricklayers? 
But, of course, as much as we like to nap, it would take being in a coma to have not heard at least a whisper or two about the Masons, or the Freemasons, and the mystery and therefore conspiracy that has surrounded them for hundreds of years. So let's rewind a little to dig into what exactly the Freemasons are. To quote the great philosopher Ad-Rock of Beastie Boys fame, In medieval Europe, there were separate guilds of masons, actual building builders, set up to ensure that they were being paid properly, to provide quality control over workmanship, and to connect members to one another for, like, networking or whatever. A brotherhood of man, as they called it. If I know anything about ye olde Europe, it's probably safe to say the Freemason guilds were also concerned with keeping the construction and architecture industry all white. I'm sorry, I mean all right. Whoops. Anyway, the guilds oversaw construction of such architectural hits as Notre Dame and Westminster Abbey, to name just two. But... By the middle of the 17th century, the guild system was failing. According to an article on the Freemasons at LiveScience.com, the dissolution of the guilds was due to the rise in capitalism and the market economy. And I'm no historian, but I've read a book or two, and happened to know that something else was going on in the 17th century that might have made it harder for people to demand a living wage. Do you know what it was? Can you guess? I'll give you a hint. It has to do with a huge influx of free manual labor. That's right, the slave trade. Call me crazy, but why would people pay for labor they could get for free? Actually, the answer to that question is basic ethics and morality. Anyway. The Freemasons got together and were like, uh, what are we going to do? And instead of doing something productive like... I don't know, organizing a national effort to end chattel slavery, they decided to open their membership to non-Masons. At first, membership was extended to family of Masons, but was soon opened up to include anyone as long as he had a penis, a lot of money, and good social connections. The Freemasons prided themselves on being a brotherhood of man made up of, quote, learned gentlemen who, according to the piece on LiveScience.com, were, quote, interested in the philosophical and intellectual trends that were transforming the European intellectual landscape at the time, such as rationalism, the scientific method, and Newtonian physics. The men were equally interested in questions of morality, especially how to build moral character, end quote. And just as a quick side note here, when my first husband told me that he had belonged to a fraternity in college, I had a perfectly natural and reasonable reaction, which was to heave a giant sigh and roll my eyes. And he said, no, no, it's not what you're thinking. We didn't sit around smoking pipes and discussing politics. Yeah, Bob, that's not the first image that comes to mind when I hear the word fraternity. But the Masons actually were that kind of fraternity, or at least that's what they wanted people to believe. Such was the reputation of the Freemasons in 1826 in upstate New York when failed businessman James Morgan and struggling newspaper man David C. Miller met and nursed each other's resentments toward the elite ruling class. This was less than 100 years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, which had incidentally been signed by up to 21 members of the Freemasons fraternity, including Benjamin Franklin and George Washington. 
To men like Morgan and Miller, who would never qualify for membership, it seemed pretty obvious that the Freemasons were an elitist group that needed to be taken down a peg or two. And not for nothing, but how did the Masons manage to finagle one of their weird, culty symbols onto our nation's paper money? Nothing says, trust your government, like the fucking eye of Sauron staring at you while you're just trying to get your morning after pill. You know? So, Morgan and Miller pulled a classic Starsky and Hutch and infiltrated the local chapter of the Freemasons, supposedly documenting weird ceremonies and rituals. In August of 1826, Miller teased an upcoming story in his paper that would uncover what they'd discovered about the Freemasons. I'm not sure if that article ever got published, though, because first, Miller's office and print shop was sabotaged with cotton balls and turpentine, which seems half-hearted, but did result in a fire. Fortunately, it was caught early enough that no real damage was caused. But only days later, James Morgan was arrested on a charge of delinquent debts of less than $5. It's almost like someone had it out for Mr. James Morgan. Hmm... And here's where it gets weird. Morgan was bailed out of jail by a group of Freemasons. The very men he was trying to take down bailed him out of jail. And then immediately escorted him to a waiting carriage where he yelled out murder and was never seen again. So, now the rumors were flying up and down New York State. Morgan had been kidnapped and murdered by the Freemasons. Four Freemasons were arrested and tried for the crime and were sentenced with the crime of basically moving someone from point A to point B without their consent. And despite point B or the person never being found, the men served very light jail sentences. And that could have been the end of it, except people were pissed. Four members of a super elitist organization had, in popular opinion, literally gotten away with murder. An anti-Masonic fever swept through those early states, leading to the first third party in American history, literally called the Anti-Masonic Party. President John Quincy Adams joined in, essentially going out of his way to be like, uh, I don't know those dudes. I have never known those dudes. I will never know those dudes. Anti-Masonic candidates were sweeping seats. And the Anti-Masonic Party was the first party to hold a convention. Meaning, without this whole weird abduction in the night of a man of no consequence, we might be free of the whole nightmare that is presidential conventions. And all of this is particularly strange when you consider at least 14 U.S. presidents were Freemasons. That we know of. Clearly, the anti-Masonic party didn't last, mostly because it turns out you can't run an entire political party based on the dislike of one semi-secret elitist fraternity. Like, you also need to have, like, policies and stuff. The Masons mostly dwindled out of mega-cult power status after the whole James Morgan affair. They're still around, lurking in the shadows, what with their elitism and weird symbols. They still do things like make capstones at airports that everyone knows is really a front for the New World Order and a secret lizard person lair. I'm just saying, if you don't want people to think you're a weird, super secret cult, maybe don't be so proudly elitist and, I don't know, don't kidnap and disappear some nobody who doesn't like you. Nothing says, yes, we're a weird cult, like disappearing people who accuse you of being a weird cult. 
As far as weird, super-secretive cult-like organizations go, the Freemasons pale in comparison to another group that has weathered far worse accusations than disappearing nobodies in the middle of the night. A group that, no matter what anyone accuses it of doing, is seemingly untouchable. I'm going to start with a quick caveat about this section. It's hard to talk about the Illuminati without falling down a seriously deep and deranged rabbit hole of not-so-thinly-veiled anti-Semitism and racism. I watched the world's worst and most confusing, quote, documentary about the Illuminati on YouTube, in which the claim was made that the Illuminati and its preceding secret cabals have existed since the dawn of time, which is, like, how can you take anything else they say seriously after that? Also, no joke, at one point the narrator said that an arm of the Illuminati called the Order of the Assassins had spread throughout India and, quote, gave the British Empire a lot of trouble in India, end quote. One could easily say the British Empire was giving India a lot of trouble. It is an incredible display of hubris to claim that the forces fighting against a massive colonial empire are already members of a massive global empire. It's also confusing because Britain is also supposedly part of the Illuminati and trying to create a totalitarian world government. But I guess it's really just the European Jews or the plot of a Dan Brown novel. Oy vey. So, the official story of the Illuminati, the one they want you to believe, is that it was founded in Bavaria in 1776 by Adam Weishaupt, a Jewish philosopher and civil law professor who had some notes for the Catholic Church. Basically, he wasn't a fan of the bigotry and intolerance. His words, not mine, but also, like, mine. And tried to join the Freemasons in order to meet with like-minded freethinkers. But the Freemasons were A, too expensive, and B, not secretive enough. So with four buddies, Weishaupt formed the Order of the Illuminati. It grew rapidly and expanded across Europe. Just as a reminder, this was before WhatsApp and Signal, so how the word about a super-secret society was getting around? Shrug. Side note, it seems nowadays anyone can join the Illuminati. Just go to theilluminati-officials.com and sign up. The homepage's welcome message is... Welcome to the secret zone of the Illuminati, a perfect organization full of world leaders, business role models, inventors, artists, and group of talented people all around the world. Everyone present in the Illuminati group to change the way of life and want to unite all humanity as the one here with no differences. Here are just a few of the member benefits. A cash reward of $9 million U.S. dollars. A new sleek dream car valued at U.S. dollars 201,000 U.S. dollars. A dream house bought in the country of your own choice USA or any. A total lifestyle change. Access to all superstars and mega superstars in the world. 
a international bank account created by the USA International Globalism. You will be able to use this account in all banks in the world in any part of the world as well. Monthly payment of $1 million US dollars into your bank account every month. A green card given by the USA government making you a full citizen of America authorized by the Worldwide Illuminati Organization. But you know me, I'm no fool. So I had a little chat with a very helpful Illuminati official customer service rep just to see. Here's the actual transcript of our conversation. Hail the light. How can we be of help? Yes, yes. Praise the almighty eye. Are there monthly dues associated with being in the Illuminati? No, you don't pay any monthly dues. Wow, amazing. And how soon do I start getting my $9 million a month? Also, in lieu of a dream home, can I get a private island instead? Once you become a member. Wow, wow, wow. What do I need to do to become a member? Get us on WhatsApp. Oh, I don't have WhatsApp. I already applied through the website. Download the app to go through our initiation process. Okay. How soon after I download WhatsApp do I get the $9 million? When you complete your membership, thanks. Wow, I can't wait. I am so excited for this total lifestyle change. I can't wait to go golfing with Trump. Wait, is he a member? I haven't gotten an answer to that yet. I'll keep you posted. It's worth noting that the original Illuminati had some weird rules, like not trusting anyone over the age of 30 because they were too set in their ways. So basically, they were the precursor to Gen Zers. Also, they had a weird hierarchy system, used pseudonyms and symbolatry, and there were reports of strange rituals and ceremonies. Inevitably, the powers that be, namely the Catholic Church, were like, not today, Bob, and literally outlawed membership in the Illuminati, punishable by death. This all took place in the span of about two decades, but that was enough time for the seed to be planted, and already conspiracy theories around the Illuminati began to spread, including the rumor that the Illuminati was somehow involved in the French Revolutionary War. Over in the United States, President George Washington was like, uh, this Illuminati thing is dangerous. It's too secretive. I don't like it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a Freemasons meeting to attend. Or do I? And so, even though the group itself was largely defunct, the cult of personality around it had already taken hold. And then, in the 1960s, a guy named Robert Anton Wilson and his buddy Carrie Thornton took a bunch of acid and decided the world was getting too uptight and authoritarian. So they decided to shake things up. According to a piece about this on BBC.com... They wanted to bring chaos back into society to shake things up. And the way to do that was to spread disinformation, to disseminate misinformation through all portals, through counterculture, through the mainstream media, through whatever means. And they decided they would do that initially by telling stories about the Illuminati. That was my best BBC impersonation. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, as is often the case with satire, people took the stories seriously. Rather than use them as an invitation to think critically about the world around them, a lot of people were like, well, turns out we're all being controlled by a cult. 
That opinion has held on and grown so much that according to Statista.com, quote, 9% of the American population strongly believe that the Illuminati control the world, while another 12% somewhat believe the Illuminati control the world. That's a lot of percent. Then again, I've read that 14% of Americans believe dinosaurs and people lived at the same time. So... When you start to read about the conspiracy theories connected with the Illuminati, it gets interesting. It would be one thing if the only conspiracy surrounding the Illuminati is simply that they want to take over the entire planet. But when you start looking into the many, many insane things people believe about the Illuminati, things get strange. So after the break, I'll lead you down one particularly windy and bizarre Illuminati road. Put on your tinfoil hats because here we go. In March of 2011, a man named Donald Marshall took to Facebook to share his harrowing tale of a lifetime of abuse, torture, slavery, and ghostwriting some of the biggest pop hits of modern time deep breath. Donald claimed that he was sold to the Illuminati when he was five. And for the record, according to Donald, the Illuminati is actually a collective organization made up of the Freemasons, Scientologists, and Vril, which is another secret society based on a sci-fi novella written in the 1800s that honestly deserves its own episode because it's full-on banana split territory. According to Donald, the Illuminati is running a massive, super-secret cloning operation. The clones serve multiple purposes. The first, of course, is medical. Obviously, the best way to treat any kind of organ failure is to just replace the failing organ with your throwaway clone's organ. Duh. Also, if a famous person dies, no worries, just replace them with their clone. Why didn't they do that with Betty White? Almost any pop star you can think of, clone. In fact, most pop stars have several clones. I guess pop stars are like Ikea furniture, not built to last, but cheap and so easily replaced. The second purpose these clones serve is for entertainment. According to Donald's Facebook expose, some very famous and politically powerful people all getting together for a disgusting time. The political people started bringing movie stars and musicians there to hang around with them. They can control who remembers the cloning facility and who will remain oblivious even though not remembering still damages you. I know who is involved, the ringleaders, and everything they do. Donald might want to consider hiring a line editor. Donald goes on to say these political people and celebrities sit there in their stands of an unused arena smaller than a hockey rink but can still seat between 300 and 400 people with dirt in the center where the ice should be. They have frightened clones of children go into the middle to be victimized for a bizarre, disgusting spectacle, sometimes having animals like dogs have sex with them while a man holds the leash so it won't bite them on the back of the neck, which 
I've seen happen before. They all try to outdo each other in their levels of depravity. To be evil is cool to them. So, who are these maniacal murderers who use cloned children for their baby gladiator sex games? Well, to name just a few, almost all of the members of the G20, former German Chancellor Angela Merkel, Barack and Michelle Obama, Vladimir Putin, Mila Kunis, who Donald alleged stabbed him for saying, She has enormous eyeballs and looks like a lemur. Which is harsh, but you sort of have to give him points for creativity there. Robert Downey Jr., Winona Ryder, Kurt Russell, Tia Maria, Kenny Rogers, who was, Donald will have you know, Queen Elizabeth's sex slave, and of course, Queen Elizabeth herself, who basically is the grand master of the whole operation. The royal family of England, yes, Queen Elizabeth, Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, and Prince Charles are the worst of them. Unbelievable depraved perverts all showing off for the celebrities that go there. Elizabeth has the children call her Lilibet and does ungodly things to them. Some she fakes being nice to, some she is terrible to, cutting them with swords while they scream. The decent people that are there against their will are afraid to say anything against them. Most have their children there as a kind of hostage to be torn apart if they even think of informing anyone. But as they have been torturing me terribly anyway, I will tell all, Vladimir Putin loves to put the fear of torture and death into people, but is essentially a cowardly pervert himself. Most of the famous people are ashamed to speak or be seen by me there very much, as they're ashamed of the perverse and disgusting gatherings. I guess Donald is hanging out with these people a bunch. He claims that all these politicians, world leaders, and famous actors and singers have nothing to do but show off for each other in disgusting ways. They have no shame. It seems nothing embarrasses them. This is a world emergency. So, the next time you're wondering why there's never any real social or political change in this country, it's because the powers that be have nothing to do but abuse children for sport. The way the Illuminati cloning program works, according to Donald, is this. When a person with a clone goes into REM sleep, Their clone in the giant underground cloning facility is activated, and the person sleeping controls their clone through, I guess, astral projection when they REM sleep. Never mind that REM sleep totals about an hour and a half over an entire night, but that's not important right now. Look, I know most of you listen to this podcast while you're doing laundry, washing dishes, or walking the dog or whatever, which A, how dare you not give me your full attention, and B, means that you are very likely going to listen to this and keep going, wait, what? And rewinding to make sure you understood. Let me save you some time. None of this makes any sense. So if you get confused or think you missed something, you are confused and you did miss something. But listening again won't fix that. 
Donald's explanation of how the Illuminati clones work and what they spend their time doing makes about as much sense as my eight-year-old's recounting of the plot of the Eternals, which is to say, none. So try to just let this information happen to you. The clones are stored underground on big metal racks until they're activated by their master clone, I guess, going into REM sleep IRL. Once the clone is activated, it can be made to do whatever its master wants. Poor Donnie's clone is unwillingly activated at the cloning center constantly. I don't know how a clone is unwillingly activated. I'm sure Donald explains it somewhere in his literally thousands of pages of writing he's put out on the internet over the past decade or so. So, unwillingly activated clone Donald spends a lot of time being confronted by celebrity clones. I don't know why everyone seems to have such a keen interest in Donald himself, but almost every single one of the celebrities he claims to have clones has a real bone to pick with him. Barack Obama's clone, for example, gave Donald a whole lot of side-eye after reading his original Facebook expose. Brad Pitt's clone beat the shit out of Donald's clone, just cuz. Steven Spielberg's clone told Donald's clone stories about his life. Donald says that he was sexually abused and tortured by the Illuminati and its cabal of clones for years. Years! The only reason the abuse stopped was... Ready for this? He started writing songs for the music celebrities in the Illuminati. I bet you didn't see that one coming. Basically, as far as I can understand from his ramblings, after years of torture, Donald one day just made up a song on the spot called Lady and sang it for Queen Elizabeth, who became enchanted, which is understandable. Kenny Rogers' 1980 hit, Lady, is undeniably enchanting. It's also undeniably written by Lionel Richie. Like, if you know any Lionel Richie song, you'll recognize his hand behind Lady in a heartbeat. Donald certainly wouldn't be the first white guy to take credit for a black person's work, but he's likely the first person to claim to have been a child when they made the art actually made by a black person. But if Lady isn't your style... But honestly, how could it not be? Perhaps you like the 1985 Prince hit, Raspberry Beret, which Donald wrote about former Prime Minister of Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, whom he called Uncle Mo. Not sure how Prince got his hands on the song, but that's not important right now. What's most remarkable about this is that Donald claimed that the band Megadeth used his picture on the cover of their 2001 album, The World Needs a Hero. Donald says he was 23 when the photo was taken, three years before it was used on the album cover. So bear with me here. If Donald was 23 in 1998, it means he was born in 1975, which would have made him a very impressive 10-year-old when Raspberry Beret was released, and five years old when Lady came out. The entire Nickelback catalog? Donald wrote it. All of Maroon 5 songs, Donald Marshall originals, Beyonce, Jay-Z, The Justins, both Bieber and Timberlake, Coldplay, Rihanna, Selena Gomez, Flowrida, Nelly Furtado, and the band Prodigy of Smack My Bitch Up fame, 
all singing Donald songs. Also, Madonna, who for some reason he lists as Nicole Leone, a.k.a. Madonna, and Fiona Apple, whom he calls a weirdo and rotten and a filthy gutter tramp. I get dibs on that band name. Listen, if it's true that he wrote Fiona Apple's songs, that means I need to believe that the person who wrote one of the best song lyrics of all time, quote, he said, it's all in your head, and I said, so's everything, but he didn't get it, end quote, also wrote this. You may ask, why won't they just kill me before I send this document everywhere? It's because I've done so much since age five, no one wants to be responsible for my death. They've said I'm the New Age Jesus, which I'm not, and they've said I'm the Antichrist. Also, the Jewish people there, there are more of them there than anyone else, called me the Mishiach. I didn't know what that was, so I looked it up on the internet. It means Jewish Messiah. Also, which I am not. Oh, so you can Google Mishiach, which is actually not a word, but not what is Madonna's original name or how old would I have been in 1977? Here's one last Donald nugget. In 2013, Donald posted this on Facebook. Miley Cyrus was talking at the cloning center last night, saying that she is going to be needing songs and that I will be making them. I said, no, I'm not going to be making any more songs. She said, yes, you will. I said, Miley, you are going to be in some lot of trouble in future for keeping silent about an alien body-snatching crisis. She said, I'll just say I was scared. Aliens, hello. And she chuckled. I said, yeah, but how long do you remain silent? Ten years? Twenty? What are you going to tell people? She said that I was scared. I then said, are you going to tell people that your fear of Brill caused you to stand in front of me with a knife and demand songs or you'd stab me? She hesitated, looked around at the stands as if looking for an answer. Then, through gritted teeth with slitted eyes, you're going to die, motherfucker. In like a whisper, I said, that's some appreciation. What can I even say about that, strangers? Now, look, it is hard to talk about Donald's claims for a few reasons. One being that Donald is very clearly battling some mental health issues. I'm no psychologist, but I play one on this podcast. And secondly, these claims are outlandish and hard not to laugh at. So weighing the validity of Donald's posts is useless. Balancing the humor of it all with genuine concern is altogether exhausting. Of course, that's just what the Illuminati wanted all along. Damn, thwarted again. I will say one thing I've learned about these secret societies while researching this podcast 
is that they don't do a very good job of remaining secret. I mean, the details of what they're up to are certainly vague, but we all know they're out there. And honestly, some of them seem pretty sensitive about any shade thrown their way, what with the retaliatory abductions and all. It begs the question, why be so secretive about your secret, not-so-secret society? Listen, if you don't want people assuming you're breeding clones for funsies, maybe just be upfront about your intentions? I don't know. Maybe the air of secrecy these groups cultivate is actually just there to hide the fact that their members aren't doing anything much more interesting than the rest of us. Which is to say, these culty groups only have as much power as we give them. Maybe power and intrigue are in the eye of the beholder and not in the weird eye floating in a pyramid. As Beyonce says, Y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. Next time on Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan. Don't eat while you're listening to the episode, because I'm going to introduce you to Typhoid Mary, a woman whose obstinate refusal to wash her hands landed her in the history books. We have a lot of fascinating and bizarre stories to share with you this season, but we want to hear your episode suggestions as well. If you have an idea for something we should cover, whether it's a well-known case or something that happened in your town that the world hasn't heard about yet, go to our website, strangeandunexplainedpod.com, and fill out the contact form. Strange and Unexplained is a production of the Obsessed Network and is produced by Becca Gregorio and Natalie Grillo. This episode was written by me, Daisy Egan, edited by Eve Kerrigan, and researched by Jess McKillop. Our audio editor and mixer is Jennifer Swatek. Our voice actors for this episode were Ryan Garcia and Luther Creek. Our social channels are run and managed by Amy Sapp. A complete list of our sources for each episode is available on our website. If you like our show, help us out by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at SNUPod. And check out the Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan Facebook group to join in the conversation. <laughs>